Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Ned Ledoux. Now, Ned's journey began very early in life when he was three or four and he would jump on the drum set while his dad, Chris Ledoux, was sound checking. Now, over the years, he played in bands, and then in the late 90s, he actually joined his dad's band, the Western Underground. For years, he would play with them until his dad's passing in 2004. That is when things started to change, and over the years, he moved from behind the drums to in front of the microphone. And ever since, he has been building a career as a solo artist himself. So please enjoy our conversation with Ned Ledoux. To begin this journey, let's talk about the drums. I think I read that you were about five or six when you got your first drum kit. And so what do you remember from that time and just why you were pulled towards the drums? Um, well, I remember uh, seeing my dad play and... And I was just a little tiny kid. I mean, shoot, might have been three or four years old, maybe. I just remember everybody was really a whole lot bigger than me. <laughs> right. But dad was playing in a bus barn back behind the high school. And of course, this was before all the success success came. You know, he was just you know, kind of playing wherever. And uh, I just remember there's a lot of people in there and it seemed to sound good and people were having fun. And uh, but I would get up during sound checks and play his drummer's kit, you know, and his oh, drummer okay. at the time was a great guy. And, and he kind of showed me the basics on the, how to play the kick snare and hat. And, and I was, I kind of picked up on it fairly quick, you know, I mean, it was no ex, no expert right off the bat, but, but yeah, my folks got me a, a used drum kit from a family friend. And, uh, and I just took to him immediately. You know, I don't know what it was, the, the sound of them, the look of them. And uh, I was just bitten by the beat. And just kind of, and I wasn't taking lessons at the time. I was just trying to figure it out on my own. Uh, but then eventually, I think my folks could tell that I really wanted to learn. And so they did find a drum teacher in Casper, Wyoming. Okay. And, uh, and bless my mom's heart. She drove me in there every Saturday for about a year and a half. Uh, and round trip, it's about, oh, 130 miles, maybe. Oh, wow. Miles. Yeah, to do that every Saturday. <laughs> wow. So I'd like to think it kind of paid off, you know, because uh, I went on to play for a couple of bands around Wyoming. Then I joined up with my dad and, uh, uh, in 98 and played with him, you know, for the rest of his life. And uh, yeah, and it continued on after that. So, yeah, exactly. And your dad, of course, was a big influence. But I've heard you talk about your mom and her being sort of your main influence along this journey. And so talk about her a bit and what she has meant to this point of your life and not only the musician that you are, but just the person that you are. Yeah. You know, dad taught me a lot, you know, uh, you know, working on the ranch and I, I followed my granddad around, 
almost every day, you know, building fence and haying and working cows. And, but yeah, it's just the, the things that a, a mom teaches you, you know, just how to be a good person and, you know, taught us all, you know, a great work ethic and, and uh, never forget where he came from. It was very right. important, you know, and live by that golden rule. You know, if you can do, if you can do that, then you're in a pretty good spot. But, uh, you know, my mom has, has always been like a, you know, a teacher, a coach, um, and, and just a great friend. And uh, she's an angel, that's for sure. And now on the work ethic side of things and the hard worker that you are without your granddad, do you think you would have that work ethic within you at this point in your life? Or was he a big part of instilling that within you? Yeah, boy, I don't know. I mean, he, <laughs> I remember one summer uh, we had to build a, a new stretch of fence um, and it was probably a mile and a half, maybe a couple miles long. And, and it was me and my older brother was helping him out. And yeah, granddad would wake us up at, you know, six thirty or seven o'clock every morning, and uh, like, ah, oh, geez, we gotta go do this again. And <laughs> you know, at the, at the time, it's you didn't really like it. You know, yeah, like, I want to, want to play my drums. You know, I want to go to town and you know do something. But you look back on it and you're, you appreciate it. You know, you're you're glad you did that, and you get to spend time with your your granddad, and you learn something from it. And uh, I think it just makes you for a better person, you know, in that way, that work ethic. And, and now it's probably been 25 years or shoot, it's probably been about 30 years ago since we put that fence up and it's still, wow. it's still there and nothing's got through it. So that's, it's pretty neat to look back on that. Yeah. Is it a reminder every time you go home? Like when you look at it, does it just bring those memories flowing back to you every time you see that fence? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And not just that stretch of fence, but, you know, a lot of different things around there that uh, the, the whole family, you know, pitched in and, and my dad uh, built a barn uh, years ago. Uh, and, and that was something that all of us, all of us kids helped out with and, you know, with the heavy lifting, you know, and then there are some points where he'd just be like staring up at the thing and he goes, well, why don't you guys go ahead and go do something else? You know, I, I got some thinking to do. <laughs> anyway, I've got to figure out how to do this little corner or whatever, you know, but right. But yeah. yeah it's, it's neat to get back there and, and see mom and the rest of the family and just kind of reflect on everything that we were involved with. Right. And now your dad, of course, is a big part to your journey. Now for people who don't know who he was, he was the 1976 world champion bareback rider before he actually made his way fully into music and on that rodeo side of things i believe he retired in 1980 when you i think you were about three or four at that point so maybe you didn't really see all that much of that side of him but i did see a photo or a video i'm not sure what it was that he had a little bucking apparatus that he made at home that was kind of rope you pulled the rope and it bucked and you were riding on that and so on the rodeo side of things was that an influence for you growing up were you ever drawn to that as something that you wanted to do at any point in your life or has it always been the music that has drawn you it's always been the music you know i'm of course a big fan of rodeo i mean it's it's the number one sport on dirt you know I, <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, that, 
little bucking machine thing. It was made out of fiberglass and yeah, dad made it. I think it was just for us kids. If we, I don't know, wanted to get interested in, you know, riding bucking horses or something, but right. Um, yeah. And I wish I could remember when dad was rodeoing, I just have these blurry memories of, of him riding. Uh, but my mom had a, she's got a great story about, uh, when dad was at Cheyenne and, you know, I was probably three or four years old. And, uh, and dad, you know, he made a great ride, but he didn't get off on the pickup, man. He just kind of bailed off oh, okay. and we were sitting somewhere behind the buck and shoots. And I was sitting next to mom, I guess. And, uh, as soon as dad got off the horse, you know, they're clapping and, and mom looks down to where I should be sitting, but I wasn't there. And so she's panicking. And, and next thing she knows, she, she sees this little boy running out into the arena and helping oh, really? her. Dad. And I was just there to help my dad up off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can't remember that, but, uh, Oh, wow. But yeah, just, uh, all the rodeo stories, you know, my dad being a world champ and my little brother, Bo, uh, rode bareback horses for a number of years and, and did a great oh, okay. job at it. And so when it comes to the songwriting, you know, even though I didn't rodeo myself, uh, just being in that rodeo ranch and family, you know, it's definitely going to reflect in the, the songs that I write. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned Cheyenne, uh, the rodeo you were at in that story. And now you had the chance to play with Garth Brooks, who was a good friend of your dad at the 125th anniversary of Cheyenne Frontier Days. And that was 25 years after your dad had played there with Garth. I believe, I think I have all those dates, right? There's a lot of dates in there, but within that event, that was July of last year. Now, what did that mean for you in a way of celebrating your dad, but also playing with Garth and seeing yourself and maybe a realization that this career, you were doing this it's not just within your dad's shadow sort of it's you're stepping out on the stage and you're making your way in your own career. Is it pretty cool to see those two things combine, especially at that event? Yeah. I mean, Cheyenne has meant so much to, well, just the state of Wyoming, you know, we always kind of considered it like the grand old Opry of the West, you know, cause it's, it's really like the biggest stage uh, out there. You right. Know? And, and, and I know it meant a lot to dad to play the main stage. And uh, yeah, it was 25 years ago. I think it was the hundredth annual and you know, Garth played there. And, and, and the little story behind that, I think they're expecting their second child and Garth wore this beeper or something on his belt. And, and he asked dad if, if him and his band could just kind of wait in the wings, he said, cause if this beeper goes off, whether it's, at the beginning of the show, in the middle of the show, wherever, I'm out of here. Oh, you wow. Know? And so that was the, the whole deal. But uh, thankfully, the beeper didn't go off. But uh, but anyway, since dad was there, Garth, so why don't you come up and sing what you can do the cowboy with me? And so yeah, that was 25 years ago. And then uh, 25 years later, 125th annual, uh, to be asked to open the show for him uh, is such an honor. And, and uh, also... Uh, Cheyenne put up a statue, a bronze statue of, of dad, yeah. which you can see from I-25. And uh, it's just a, a, a neat, neat place. And um, 
yeah, I love going back there as, as often as we can. Uh, but to, to play that with Garth, uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to just explain it. Um, just to be on that stage with him, and, um, and he's such a great guy. And and uh, you know, we he's he's done so much for the Ledoux family, and and we do our best to show him the, the same love and respect back. So uh, yeah, great great friend. That's amazing. And within your musical journey, when you started playing, was your first band Cowtown? Was that the first band that you played in? Yeah. Okay. Where, yeah. Where'd you get that information? Uh, I don't know. I read it or heard <laughs> it in another interview. <laughs> yeah. Cowtown. Yeah. So what was that outfit? What were, were you just playing drums or at that point had you started singing or what was the context of that band? Yeah. At that time, well, first of all, I never got into singing until uh, maybe 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Cowtown was the first band I joined. And uh, it was a band that had been around, you know, for a few years and just based out of KC, Wyoming. And, uh, yeah, it was just made up of, you know, ranchers. And we had, I think, a school teacher on keyboards. And, um, and, and I would have been... I think I was just going into my freshman year or something like that. Oh, okay. And, but the parents and the teachers had this deal toward the end of the year. They called it casino day for all the, the students. So any student that was that had perfect attendance or was student of the month or had all these academic you know, achievements got to get on the bus, you know, like an hour before school let out and go down to the, the big town of KC and, uh, <laughs> And, and play bingo and blackjack and whatever. Oh, okay. The secretary called out all these kids' names and she called out my name. And I didn't have perfect attendance and I wasn't student of the month. I mean, I was a good student, you know, I passed. Right. Uh, but I got on the bus and I asked her, I said, why'd you call my name? She goes, I got a favor to ask you. I said, all right. So we wheel down there and we walk into this room and, and there's a band set up in the corner. And, uh, she kind of came up to me and said, well, they need a drummer. I said, oh, okay. So I wandered up there and yeah, it was, it was Mike Cruchett, Keaton Paulin, Mike Friedel, and like a utility guy. I can't remember his last name, but his first name was Ron. Oh, okay. And uh, so, yeah, they said, yeah, you want to come up and jam a little bit? I said, sure. So that, that was the start of it. And I remember going home after it was over and telling dad and mom, say, hey, I, I'm in a band. <laughs> And they were just, yeah, grinning from ear to ear. Like, really? Well, shoot, wh where is it? You know, I said, well, it's Cowtown. And dad's like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. So, of course, being in KC, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So before that point, before stepping on stage that day, did you have a thought about music as something more, as something you might want to follow, as in something you might want to jump into a band with? Or did that experience really cement it for you? Uh, yeah, I dreamed of, you know, joining a band, you know, I remember laying in bed, just asking the Lord, like, man, just make me a good drummer, put me in a band that plays all over the place, plays great music. You know, that's all I ever wanted to do. And, uh, but I, I realized, figured out real quick, there's a big difference between sitting in my basement with my drums and playing to the radio to, uh, playing with real people. You know? Right. Because when you're playing along with, you know, headphones on and playing to whatever, 
you know, you can drop a drumstick and just pick it up and, you know, the music still plays, you know, but if you skip a beat or you start too quick or you're dragging with a live band, uh, it's a train wreck. You know, right. You, the drummer's got a pretty big responsibility back there. And so how quickly did you learn that when you started playing with that band? Did you find yourself really becoming a better drummer as you played live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they molded me into, you know, being the best I could be, you know. Uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff. You'll learn what not to do, I guess. Right. I like at, at the time, I had a double kick pedal. And so, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember what song it was. Maybe it's like a Merle Haggard song or something we were playing. And I threw in that, like a double kick feel or something. And okay. Turn around and we don't need that in a more haggard song. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So I learned when to put that in and, and when not to, but, uh, but really where I became, you know, I think the best drummer I could possibly be was when I joined my dad's band. Yeah. You know, I kind of thought I had it sort of figured out. And when he asked me to join his group, it's like, yeah, well, I know all your songs, you know, yeah, shoot, this will be cool. Get on the road with dad and Western underground. And, and they really, they're like, well, you know, your tempo's kind of like in here, you know, we want it to be as solid as possible and you're playing way too dang loud and, and all this stuff. So uh, I learned a lot from those guys. And what was your thought when your dad asked you that? The fact that he asked his own son to, to join his band, you know, like, I, mean, I didn't hesitate on my answer, you know, oh, okay. when he asked me, he said, Hey, well, KW, you know, got in a car wreck and he's going to be okay, but he's going to be laid up for a few months. Would you like to come out and, and fill in for him? I just said, yeah. I said, I'm your man. You know, like, when do we do, when do we leave? <laughs> right. But it is, yeah, I think back on it quite often, just like, man, I mean, he could have easily found somebody in Nashville or, uh, someplace else, but, uh, he had the faith in me to do it and uh, pretty proud. That's amazing. Now you played with him from 98 until 2005 when he passed away. Now at that point when he passed, was there a moment in there where you weren't sure what was going to happen? You weren't sure if you wanted to follow music anymore or was the passion so strong within you that you knew even at that point, you were going to find something else? Well, when we lost him in 05, uh, last show we played with him, it was in Kansas City for the American Royal Rodeo. Oh, okay. That had been October of 04, I think. But yeah, uh, when he passed, I think everybody was just kind of numb. Like, Superman, you know? Yeah. You can't hurt that guy. You know, it was just... It was just uh, just a weird time and uh but i knew that music has always been like therapy for me you know in, in the good times and the bad you know like just there's a song for anything you know and uh but i got some great friends that live in south dakota uh, dustin evans and the good times band uh, gary snow on guitar tim deets on uh, keyboards and got to be really good friends with those guys over the years they'd opened up a bunch of shows for dad and me and Dustin got to be real good friends. And he said, oh, man, if your dad ever decides to you know, hang it up or maybe not play quite so many shows every year, you know, I'd, I'd like for you to come out and play with me. 
And so we kind of made this pact, you know, and, and then when dad passed away, it might've been a couple of weeks later, Dustin calls me up and said, man, the job's yours if you want it. I said, oh, when's wow. the next gig? I'll be there. I need to get back behind those drums and, and just, uh, it, it, I don't know. I don't want to say it, it made me feel better because, you know, that emptiness will always be there, but, uh, yeah. you know, playing dad's music and listening to it and, uh, it's, he, he left a pretty big footprint on, uh, on, on country music and, uh, and a lot of people's lives. So just proud to kind of carry on that tradition. And when did you jump in front of the mic? What, when was the first time you sang and how did it come about that you did, did it eventually stepping out from behind the drums? Uh, let's see. It might've been like a Western. Well, actually, no, it was, uh, I'll try to give you the short part of the story. <laughs> sure. Um, so the first time I really sang in front of anybody was in a cheap motel room somewhere in Nebraska, I think. And I, and I was playing drums for Dustin Evans at the time. And, 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 and he had, you know, we're sitting around this cheap room and uh, he's playing a few songs on his acoustic. Then he gets up and hands me the guitar. I said, here, Ned, why don't you play one of your dad's songs? And I just held the guitar and said, I don't know how to sing. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, but I found something kind of cool about it. You know, like Dustin can take that guitar out and play anything. And people are sitting around listening and just, joining in singing along and so when i got home a few days later uh you know i, I had this cheap guitar this old acoustic and, and i went down in my basement and started learning some of dad's songs and whether to sing around a cheap motel room or campfire and i found it kind of romantic in a way to be able to sit on your front porch and just sing to the birds you know just something new to do and right and so the first time i ever got up in front of a crowd uh, was at the country stampede uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, you know, a big old festival, country festival. Right. And it was the middle of the day and it's just me and Dustin. Uh, and it was 05, June of 05. Oh, okay. And, uh, the promoter or whoever for the, the festival uh, asked me and Dustin, if we would get up and just sing a couple of songs of dad's, you know, just to pay tribute to him. And <laughs> I remember telling Dustin, like, you know, I've never sang in front of anybody except for you in that dirty old motel room, you know? Right. Well, here's your chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably 30,000 people out there, you know, oh, wow. fun. And, and like I said, it was the middle of the day, so we could see everybody. You know, right. It wasn't dark outside, you can only see the first 15 rows or something. And of course, they got the jumbotrons, and so our face is up there, you know, 20 feet high, and Oh man, it was a little nerve wracking, but I guess I bet. as they say, you got to start somewhere and that's a hell of a place to start. <laughs> wow. And growing up, like, did you ever sing around the house? Did your dad know you had any sort of voice within you? No, dad never did hear me sing. Wow. Uh, I think, well, he, he heard me sing the devil went down to Georgia when I was probably six years old. Oh, okay. He, he let me he let me say that one line in there, you know, it's like, he's like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and say it. <laughs> but no, he never, he's never heard me saying, I'm sure in a spiritual way, he's, I feel like he's always up there with me, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I never, I never wanted to get into this, you know, up until maybe about 10 years ago. But uh, if I'd have known it was going to be this fun, I probably would have started earlier, but 
I reckon, you know, God has a plan for all of us. Yeah, exactly. And now one of the moments, I don't know if it was the moment that set you on this path was when your mom found a box of your dad's old songs that were sort of half finished and never recorded. And she gave it to you. Now, was that the point that set you on this journey of being a solo artist? Uh, that was part of it. I mean, that really kind of started the songwriting. Oh, okay. Um, but kind of leading up to that, I mean, I was playing solo gigs and, uh, and kind of how I got into playing solo gigs is I was playing in two different bands, playing drums for two different bands. And, and we would stay busy in the spring and all through the summer, but then as the winter rolled around, we wouldn't really do too much but there's a lot of members in those bands that would go out and play a solo gig. And I was just thinking, man, that'd be kind of neat to be able to just throw your guitar in the back of the truck and just hit the road. And, you know, you're, you're staying creative. You're still playing music and you're also bringing home, you know, a little bit of grocery money, you know, right. So they're just sitting around the house wondering when the next gig's going to be. Uh, so yeah, when mom found those ideas, you know, she sent me a few of them and, and thought maybe I could finish one of them. And, uh, and she also sent some stuff to uh, dad's management. And uh, so I was sitting around the house and I had never written a song before, you know? So I was oh, wow. kind of working on this stuff. It's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I added this and that. Right. Uh, not even knowing if anybody would ever hear it. Um, but then that's when Mac McAnally came in to, into play. Mm -hmm. Found out what I was you know, working on and invited me to his place. This has probably been probably seven years ago now. Uh, yeah, I think 2014, around 2014 is when you guys connected, I think. Yeah, sounds about right. And so, yeah, we sat down together and we just happened to be working on the same idea that dad had started. Something about a rusty pickup truck with posts and barbed wire and rolls on four ball tires. And uh, there's firewood in the stack. I guess money's all we lack. That's about all we had to work with. Okay. <laughs> But, but we knew the direction he was wanting to go, like live simple, you know, just appreciate what you have. And so the song that we finished or what it came out to be is uh, We Ain't Got It All, which is on my first album. Right. From that point on uh, and just being able to sit with Mac, you know, he kind of opened up that door in my head on how to piece together phrases and lyrics and add the melody with it and, um, and the songwriting just kind of took off after that, thanks to him. And so meeting up with him, he worked with your dad on, I think, like the last three or four albums that your dad did. And so when you're meeting up with him and beginning to write with him and then stepping into the studio with him, what was that experience like for you being such a new artist and not being exactly sure what your path as a singer, as a solo artist was going to be? Well, first of all, I'm pretty lucky to be able to work with Mac. I mean, he's, I consider him like the most wanted man in Nashville. Right. <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants him to produce their stuff or write with them or have him play on their, their album. Um, but he makes it look so easy, you know, and he, he rounds up the musicians to play on these albums and they're some of the, you know, top shelf A-list players. Uh, and the cool thing about it, the players that uh, played on my album, they also played on a lot of dad's stuff. Oh, you know, nice. Greg, 
Greg Morrow on drums, Glenn Wharf on bass, uh, JT Cornfloss, uh, who we lost a few years ago, played on my second album. Also played on one of dad's albums as well. But um, it, it's just a lot of fun to be in the studio with all those guys. And because they'll sit around, you know, between takes and tell old stories. And, and I just kind of sit there and, and listen and just soak it all in. It's like, man, these guys what am I doing in this room with all these legends, you know? Right. Yeah. But they, they show so much respect, you know, and for the songs and, and they, they do their best on everything. And I'm just so proud of, of what we've got to record and, and put out there. Uh, they just make it, like I said, make it so easy. And we probably talk more about uh, where we're going to eat later that day than, <laughs> than uh, making a record, but right. Somehow a record's made and all that. And now your dad's career was very organic. He started while he was in the rodeo and he started basically selling the CDs at the rodeo, I believe, or it was maybe cassette tapes back then even. And then he had like, I think 20 albums that he released independently before, like you talked about that moment with Garth kind of sent him up his trajectory up and became sort of a national name but it was very organic in the process. And now your career, are you taking that same approach? Like it feels like stepping into the studio with these, you know, really well-known musicians and producers, you know, it could be, there could be a, a lot of anxiety tied to that as a newer artist, as someone who really just began singing, but are you more focused on just letting it flow organically and not getting too lost within the process of it? Yeah, I try to keep it as grassroots as possible, you know, and, uh, you know, like the songs that I write, you know, I, I'm just writing about what I know. I mean, whether they become a, a number one hit song, I mean, that'd be great, you know, but um, it, it's kind of like uh, the people that come to our shows, you know, they're ranchers and farmers and, you know, small town folks and, you know, live out in the country and, and we get the city folks that come in there as well, but uh, that's what I aim for is, you know, writing songs that they can relate to, uh, but also kind of keeping, you know, dad's memory alive, you know, cause we always play yeah. his songs as well during the show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, it just kind of a grassroots thing. I've kept everything in the family. You know, like my brother is the one who runs the merchandise and books all the flights and he's out there on the road with us. And, and the band is, I'll say like the spirit of the Western underground is still alive. You know, right. A lot of the, we've all been, this, this group has been together. Geez, since 89, 90. Wow. And so in my opinion, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, we all know each other. We've been around each other for years and years and, um, and they know ma the material and they're just, I, I can't imagine, you know, really at this point touring with, a different group of guys, you know, so they're just trying to keep it, you know, all in the family and, and close friends. So uh, I think that's the way, that's the way dad always did it as well. That's amazing. And now, so within this journey, how important is it for you to toe that line of honoring your dad, but also having your own career and not getting stuck within almost being like a cover band of your dad's? How important is that for you to not leave your dad in the past and say, this is me, this is who I want to be. So focus on me, but to have those two sides of it. 
Uh, well, when I started playing solo gigs and stuff, uh, I didn't have any of my own material. So I probably went a year and a half, you know, just playing a lot of, and like my set list was all the, the old rodeo song. You know, I was, I wasn't doing, you know, life's a highway or what you can do with the cowboy. I was doing the really old stuff from those records that he recorded all by himself. And right. But then eventually people would say, well, do you have any, your, your own songs? You've been writing your own. I said, well, no, I, I don't know how to write a song <laughs> at the time. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just something I want to, want to do as far as, you know, playing dad's materials, uh, because people are going to come out and they want to hear, you know, like this Cowboys hat or uh, Western skies. And I love playing those songs, but they're also going to hear kind of my side of the story. Yeah. And a lot of those songs relate very well with what, what dad has done. Um, I actually had a, a pretty cool dream a few years ago when I released my first album, Sagebrush. And there's a song on there called forever a cowboy. And, uh, but in my dream, I was sitting at the breakfast table with dad and he had this old cassette player, he had the headphones on. And in my dream, I was thinking, I don't think I, I put out any cassettes, but anyway, uh, but he had a cassette of sagebrush in the player and he got done listening to this song forever a cowboy. And he took the headphones off and he looked at me, he said, that's a good song. I wish I would have recorded that. And so it's almost like wow. in a spiritual way through this dream, he's kind of letting me know that you're doing good. You know, I mean, you're, you're writing songs that maybe I would have wrote, you know? And uh, so I'm just, yeah, proud to carry on the, the tradition. That's amazing. And now coming into your newest album, Buckskin, you do have a song that Mac and your dad wrote way back in the day that kind of got, well, Mac wrote it, but he never gave it to your dad after all, because your dad came into the studio with the songs he wanted. And so Mac kind of tucked it back into his back pocket. And so what was it like to be able to record that song and honor your dad in that way? Pretty amazing. I mean, I was in the, in the kind of in the middle of writing, you know, my own stuff, you know, for the, the album. And, and I was pitching stuff back and forth with Mac, you know, just, kind of getting his uh any suggestions that he might have and and then just a random email showed up and all it said was upside of the ground i didn't have like a little message or anything like that so i just pushed play and and it's, it seems like it was just mac and acoustic you know it's it pretty stripped down track but oh, okay man this is this is cool and i and before that i didn't I didn't know the story behind it. And then uh, Mac shared the story with me when we were in the studio. And uh, just knowing that, it just makes it for an even better song, you know, because <laughs> it, it, it sounds so much like dad, you know, and Mac also wrote uh, Horsepower, which I think if you were to play Upside of the Ground and Horsepower back to back, they, they're pretty similar. You can tell who wrote these songs, you know, right. uh, but yeah, it's, it's a fun song to play. We've been doing it live now for a few months and, and it's a mouthful you know, <laughs> it moves along pretty quick, but man, it's, it's, it's a joy. And now you have rodeo dreams. And did I see that your brother clay is a co-writer on that song? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool to write with him. Uh, 
we were texting back and forth and this would have been back in 2020. That's when I wrote all these songs for this album, but oh, okay. And we were just texting back and forth, you know, he still lives in Wyoming and you know, uh, he goes, what are you, what have you been up to? And I said, well, I'm working on some new songs for a new album. He goes, Oh man, it'd be cool to, to write one with you someday. And I'd actually started the song, uh, rodeo dreams. I think I had a, a verse and part of a chorus. I said, well, I'll send it to you, you know, see what you can come up with. And, and it was like early the next day, uh, he works for the highway department and it was in the winter time. So he was out plowing roads and things like that. Oh, okay. And he sent me a text like six o'clock in the morning and, and I just kind of rolled over and went through it. It's like, man, that's, that's good. And so I added that to the song and I texted him back and man, you ought to be writing songs. This is, this is, you might have a talent here. So it was a thrill to write a song with him and uh, maybe later down the road, we'll, we'll do some more. That's awesome. And the Buckskin poem, which the album is named after, when did that come about? Did that come early? Was that sort of the thing that inspired the whole album or did it come just as part of the writing process? Well, it's a poem that I've been working on for geez, probably two or three years at least. And, uh, and I've always been a big fan of cowboy poetry. You know, I got to play the, the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada a couple of times and got to oh, okay. hang out with, you know, like Waddy Mitchell, Gary McMahon, Baxter Black, you know, all those legendary cowboy poets. And just thought I'd try my hand at one. And, uh, but yeah, the poem itself comes from, you know, different articles that I read, dad talking about, you know, winning the bareback championship of the world and, and the horse and, you know, everything leading up to that moment, you know, uh, you know, fighting through injuries and things like that. And, and just him talking about the horse alone, uh, the, the, the name of the horse is stormy weather, a big buckskin. And he said, nobody wanted to draw this horse. he said, he just, and they use all these terms, you know, those bareback riders, you know, he's yank on your arm, he's heavy and all this stuff. And, right. And I just thought it would make for a good song. But the more I worked with it, I was like, you know, it might be better off as like the spoken word, you know, as a poem. And I added this kind of a eerie, you know, melody behind it, you know, instrumental type of thing. And um, yeah, and I've probably listened through it at least a dozen times or more. And it gets to a certain point in there and still gives me the chills, no matter how many times I, I listen to it. Uh, right. So, but yeah, and then as far as like coming up with the title for an album, uh, that's sometimes just as hard as the songwriting. You know, you get everything done, recorded, and now you got to put a label on it. Like, geez, what's it going to be? So this time came a little easier, you know, because I had written this poem, got that done before I really dove into the songwriting uh, for the rest of the stuff. Uh, and I just thought, yeah, buckskin. That's kind of unique. and kind of sums it up in a way. But I didn't really, you know, write all the songs around that title you know it's just right a variety of stuff you know there's rodeo songs there's cowboy stuff ranching and then there's just some fun songs where i even though i wrote them i'm not sure where they came from <laughs> it just sounded good you know it was like these might be fun to play live that's awesome and you had the chance to debut the album at the grand old opry now what was that experience like you talk about playing in cheyenne and that sort of being an opry style stage 
But when it comes to the actual Opry, I mean, what does that mean within your journey, being able to play that stage and play it again because you were able to play there with your dad back in the day as well. So what does that stage mean to you? Well, when you step into that circle, you know, they got this chunk of wood carved out into a circle that came from the original Opry, the Ryman. There's just something happens and I, I can't describe it, but you just realize all the people that stood in that same spot, you know, Johnny Cash and Hank senior, you know, uh, Marty Robbins, all those guys. And, and everything just kind of slows down, you know, when you're on that stage, you know, right. I mean, yeah, there's a, lot of, a lot of people out there, a lot of people, you know, waiting backstage to get on, on that stage to perform and everything just kind of slowed down, you know, like, wow, this is so I've probably played a lot of stages in my life where I didn't really soak it in, you know, as I should have, <clears throat> but yeah, I made sure to just walk a little slower, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just really like take time looking at the pictures on the wall and, and, and meet people back there. Uh, yeah, it's a, definitely a new feather in the hat, a pretty neat deal. And so when you played with your dad, obviously you're behind the drums, but when you step up there as your own artist in the circle singing, was it a much different experience for you? Oh yeah. 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 And just knowing yeah, he stood in that same spot, you know, over 20 years ago. Um, yeah, it was, a. I don't know. It's, I can't describe it. It's, I, I, I get chills just thinking about it, you know, uh, but yeah, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. That's awesome. And now I think I saw a post. Well, I saw a post on your Instagram. You were opening, you had basically the opening of the CD of the new CD. I think oh, yeah. it might've been for Buckskin. Yeah. And it was interesting, just, you know, the emotion that it pulls from you. And you were talking about smelling the booklet and just that unique smell. And then I also saw you talk about back when you were a kid and when your dad's album would come out on cassette and you would, the family would sort of play it over and over. And so I just wanted to talk to you about those two experiences. Are they similar experiences from when you were a kid and getting your dad's cassettes to now getting your own CDs? Yeah, there's just something fun about it. I mean, I just remember when we were kids, you know, the, the closest record store was over an hour away. So if you're going to make a trip to town, you know, to get, you know, cassettes of your favorite bands, you, you make a list just so you don't forget. Right. Yeah. So we would go to town and we go straight to the record store. And at the time there was like three or four record shops in the, the East Ridge mall in Casper. And uh, so, yeah, we go through and we get what we went there to get. And, and then we get back in the truck and my brother, you know, he started driving before we did. So he got to listen to his stuff first, you know, but in the meantime, we'd be taking the shrink wrap off and, you know, you smell the everything in there and you're reading the liner notes and the thank yous and looking at the pictures. And, um, and you know, and I know like these days, you know, streaming is a, a big deal and it's, it's yeah. easy to do. I, I mean, I do it myself, but there's just uh, something kind of magical about getting the physical product in the mail or going to the, ta- the town and, and finding one. And just, yeah, to have it in your hand and look at the pictures and things like that that you can't get from streaming. Uh, And I also tell people that, hey, I can't sign a digital copy. (laughs) So 
we always carry CDs, you know, at the merch table. Um, but yeah, I remember listening to dad stuff, you know, when it would first come out and, uh, and a lot of times we would go to, to town and it was just neat to see, you know, his face with everybody else, you know? And yeah. uh, that was, and I remember <laughs> one thing we used to do, uh, is, you know, they'd have the big display of all the CDs or cassettes. And, and so, uh, before we'd leave the store, we'd take all the dads and put them like on the very front, <laughs> cover the whole shelf of just his stuff. And, I don't know. That's probably shouldn't have said that, but that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Not a whole lot of record shops out there anymore, but uh, we yeah. made sure that, you know, people going in there, they're going to see dad's face. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so within this journey with your third album release, like I say, Buckskin is the name of it. As you look at your journey, sort of what is the view? What are the feelings? What are the emotions that you have now that you are sort of deep into this artist journey and it's happening? And maybe, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't even have a thought about an artist journey. How do you feel about it now? Well, I'm still amazed uh, the places that we've got to play, you know, and the, and the show and the stages we've got to share with, you know, like with Garth and Toby Keith and, you know, a lot of different Texas groups and, and Corb. Um, it's just amazing. You know, it, uh, I mean, it, it hasn't changed me. I hope, you know, I'm still, I'm still a drummer at heart, you know, even though I got all my drums in the, in the garage in their cases and I'll go down there, you know, two or three times a week and just have a conversation with them. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know you haven't forgotten about them. Yeah. Like, huh? I know I beat the hell out of you guys for years. And that's <laughs> 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 time to just take a break. Maybe I'll take you out and, uh, and just play once in a while but yeah it's just been an amazing journey and the fact that it hasn't really been going on that long really but um just the places that we got to play and all it just seems like it's flown by you know getting to play the grand Ole opry and cheyenne a number of times and being nominated for different awards and winning a few of them and uh boy i don't know i could have never dreamt this would happen like like you said 10 years ago or more uh, but boy we're having a ball thank you so much once again for joining us and thank you to ned for stopping by and sharing his story be sure to check out his new album buckskin wherever you stream or also check out the cd please also be sure to check out our website countrymusicmademe.com there you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform, of course. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Thanks once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music